It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome into the Virtual Bible Study. We're live on this Thursday evening, August 7th, 2008. The year's almost gone, and we're glad you're part of it. The program with us tonight, my father Greg Gwynn is with me. My name's Jacob Gwynn. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. We look forward to our Thursday night meetings on the Internet and the opportunity to study God's Word through this new medium. And we look forward to a good discussion, and we certainly always appreciate our regular listeners. We're glad you're out there listening wherever you may be. And if you're a regular listener tonight, you will know that tonight is a continuation of our program last week. Maybe you're listening to this in the archived version, and you haven't listened to the program for, what was it, uh, July 31st. Right. of 2008 and if you haven't heard that program yet we encourage you to go back and listen to that if you're listening live tonight obviously stay tuned and we'll continue the discussion but we want to continue a discussion we had last week talking about how to deal with church controversy dad and we noted in the program last week that it is a, a fact an unfortunate fact but a fact nonetheless that there are going to be controversies in the church and we need to be prepared for that that's exactly right they are inevitable we know that the the scriptures even indicated that it would be so in the new testament we read several statements from various ones indicating the reality of controversy that is going to exist uh and it's it's a mistake to try and avoid it we just know that it's it's going to happen we can't avoid it what we have to do is be prepared to handle it the way we should uh last week we pointed out for instance how the apostle paul even warned the elders of the church at ephesus on, on his last meeting with them in acts chapter 20 He said in Acts 20, verse 29, beginning, I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Paul knew that there would be trouble. He knew that some of that trouble would be from internal sources. Certainly, we know early Christians suffered a lot of persecution. But Paul indicated that there would be trouble coming even from internal sources From among themselves, there would be those who would draw away disciples. And so we just have to acknowledge that that has been true. It was prophesied to be true. It has been true and continues to be true. There's going to be trouble, and we have to be prepared to handle it the way the Lord wants us to handle it. Last week in our study, we talked about some of the mistakes that people often make when trouble arises. And I think it was kind of interesting to notice that a lot of our respondents, Jacob, came back with the same answers over and over again. They've seen it. They've seen some of the same kind of things that we've seen as to how brethren react badly to controversy and conflict in the local church. And so uh, it seems to me that a lot of our experience is common and a lot of our experience lines up with what the, the New Testament teaches on the subject that being the case, uh, again, it just, I think, fortifies the importance of studying this and being uh, ready when it when it arises. A lot of those problems we talked about last week really could be summarized in one word, and that being pride. We have, we have a lot of pride in these con- conflicts, and we do not allow ourselves 
uh, to be wrong sometimes. We want to be the winners. We don't love our brethren as we should. All that's wrapped up in the idea of pride, and we need to get that out of our lives. If we could all remove pride from our lives, then there'd be a whole lot fewer church conflicts. Exactly right. I believe that is a absolute truth and, and well said. All right. The number to call to be a part of the program tonight is 877-381-4567, or send your emails to questions at collegeview.com. We do look forward to hearing from you. Uh, as we talk about church controversy, you've seen it, no doubt. If uh, you've been uh, around for long, you've seen church controversy. How do you deal with it, and uh, and what kind of suggestions can you give us? Well, last week, Jacob, we asked, we dealt with the negative side of this. What do people often do wrong? But we had a question still hanging out there that we didn't get to last week. That's why we decided to continue the discussion this week. And so the question for discussion this week, and if you have not responded to this question, we'd love to get your feedback What are the biblical principles that ought to be employed when dealing with controversy or conflict among brethren? What are the right biblical principles? What should we be doing when this thing, this unfortunate thing happens? And it's going to happen. So what should we be doing? That's our question. So if you've not responded yet, we'd love to hear from you. What are the biblical principles that ought to be employed when controversy arises? Our toll-free number is 877-381-4567. Let your fingers do the walking and call us now with your thoughts about dealing with church controversy or send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Jay, we might as well start into some of these emails that we've gotten. Uh, Our friend Randy Black up in Jackson, Missouri, has written in and says, I think the passages that apply to church discipline, Matthew 18 and others, are good to apply here. Go to the offending person alone and approach him with the attitude of reconciliation and restitution of the relationship. I also think that the scriptures teach that a person should attempt reconciliation before going to the Lord's table. Um, Let's look at the couple of passages that Randy mentions there. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus talked about a situation where you have been wronged. Matthew 18 verse 15 says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. And so here's a situation, and this is what Randy was referencing in his email. Here's a problem. This This is a controversy. This is a problem. Someone has wronged me. A brother has wronged me. What do I do? Well, last week we talked about all the wrong things that we might be tempted to do. But the right thing for me to do, as Randy accurately says here, is uh, go to that person alone. Approach him with the attitude of reconciliation and restitution of the relationship. That's exactly what I ought to do. Uh, Unfortunately, folks don't always do that, but that that is actually a command of the Lord Jesus. He told us to do that. You know, church, a lot of church problems don't need to be church problems. A lot of church problems would never be church problems if we kept them between the two people that had a problem with each other. I know that that is exactly true. I, I remember a situation that happened to me a number of years ago. A, a brother came to me and finally said, I have been mad at you for the last three years. Well, I didn't know it. And I said, why have you been mad at me? And he says, because what you preached in that sermon when you talked about parenting. And and I had said, he, he believed that I had said something concerning parenting that I had never said. It was, in fact, it was the exact opposite of what I actually believe the Bible teaches on the subject. I don't even, even need to mention the subject per se, but it was, it was a, a, a parenting kind of question. He said, I've been mad at you ever since you preached that. I said, that's not what I said. The reason why I know I didn't say that is because I have never believed that. 
And I said, why didn't you come to me at the time? We could have avoided you having hard feelings for three years. We could have resolved that in about 30 seconds if you had just said something to me. You misunderstood me. Maybe I didn't, maybe I didn't explain myself clearly, but it was a problem that could have been resolved almost instantaneously. But the fellow had never said anything to me. And, and that's an exact violation of what the Lord tells us here. But that's, that is a violation. Um, but one of the, that, that situation worked out better than most because a lot of times when we have a problem with another person in the congregation, we have been slighted. We have had things done that we think are, unf- are not treating us correctly. Um, we have had someone who has done us wrong and legitimately so. But rather than just harbor that ill feeling for three years amongst ourselves, we like to spread it around the congregation and we begin to talk to everyone except the person that did us wrong. And now this issue between you and me has now you and me and 20 other people, and we have a big problem on our hands. Whereas if we follow Jesus' instruction, it's not advice, it's instruction about how to handle it, we wouldn't have a church problem. I think the other part of Randy's uh Email answer comes from Matthew uh, chapter um, 5, verse 23. Jesus said, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, then come and offer thy gift. And so here, in, in this case, Jesus was describing the situation where I am the one who has offended someone. And he tells me that I ought to go seek out the one I've offended and make it right before I try to worship the Lord. I've I've always made the point that if we will follow both Matthew 18 and Matthew 5 here, there's not any problem that we can't work out. In other words, both brothers will meet each other about halfway uh, to each other's house. And and if they've both got the attitude of reconciliation, it's going to be something we can work out. Now, that, this is a big thing. This passage tells us that our relationship with our brother can affect our relationship with God and our service to him. Exactly right. Uh, and we don't necessarily think of it that way. We think, boy, I'm right with God, and I'll have it out with my brother any time I jolly well please. Yeah. Um, but we can't do that, obviously. Exactly that right. goes back to John, First John chapter 4, verse 20. If any man say he loves God and love his brother, he's a liar. Yeah. The, the only the only caveat that I would make to all of this discussion, I think I think it's right on. I think Randy has made some good points here, but the only caveat that I would make uh, is some some things are public at their very initiation. Uh, I've heard some brothers who insist on following Matthew chapter eighteen. Go go one on one. If they won't hear you, one on one. Take two or three with you. If they won't hear that, take it before the church. And, and that that is definitely the procedure to use when we have a conflict between two individuals. But sometimes things are uh, are publicly known immediately. In other words, it's it's already past the point where I might approach a brother privately because it's already a a, a generally known uh, action. And I don't think the Bible would ins- would require us to follow the Matthew 18 procedure in something that was already public from its inception. I think an example of that is Galatians chapter 2, exactly. where Peter is teaching false doctrine. Paul isn't hush-hush about it and trying to sleep it. He does it out in front of everybody, Galatians 2.14. But when I saw they walk not uprightly, according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, if thou being a Jew, and he goes on and, and, and rebukes him and teaches him other than otherwise from the false doctrine he was proclaiming. That's our, our precedent. 
But either way, you take both of these verses teach us one thing: is we don't let these things fester. Exactly. We go to the source. We take care of them. Exactly right. We so don't, we don't harbor those ill feelings and allow it to go on forever. Exactly right. And I think Randy has put us on to a good point there. Uh, again, when he suggests that we've got to reconcile these things and in our attitude, maintaining the right attitude, we want to have the attitude of reconciliation and restitution of the relationship. Uh, one of the things we pointed out last week, and we don't want to backtrack to all of last week's discussion, but one of the things we pointed out is that some people just act like they don't care if there's division or you know among brethren. Some people almost seem delighted to have division. We should have a desire for reconciliation and restitution. Now, that's a two-way street. If 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 the offending party will not be reconciled, then then we can't force that. But for our part. Our, our ambition should be to seek reconciliation. All right. We're talking about church controversy on the virtual Bible study tonight. It is coming. We will have controversy in the church among Christians. Uh, one of the reasons why we will have that controversy is because a church is made up of humans and humans make mistakes. We need to know how we're going to handle those controversies when they arise. The number to call to be a part of the program tonight is 877-381-4567 or email your comments to questions at collegeview.com. You know, we've got a number of emails to get to, but you know what we do, Jacob, to phone callers? We move them to the head of the list. If and you'll, give them extra credit. That's right. We'll, we'll move you to the head of the list. We'll put you ahead of all those who've already emailed in. If you'll call us, 877 is toll-free, 877-381-4567. That's easy to remember, 381-4567. Give us a call. We'll, we'll put you right on. And you don't have to get carpal tunnel typing your long message to it. Just call us and uh, let us know what your thoughts but are. But we'll also take emails. We uh, do. And we, we'll take emails. Tell us what you think are some biblical principles we need to apply when controversy arises. All right. We're taking a break, and we'll hope to hear from you on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks us. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the virtual Bible study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the virtual Bible study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. My name is Roger Toombs, and me and my wife love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday nights. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And welcome into the virtual Bible study. Welcome back. We're glad you're part of it. If you're just joining us on the program tonight, we're talking about church controversy, how we deal with it. And we're looking at the positive side of it. Last week, we discussed the negatives of things that are problems when church controversies arise. Tonight, we're looking at the positive. How do we deal with those controversies? How can we use the teachings of God's truth, his word, and to help us deal with those controversies that are coming? 
Jacob, we're going to get to these emails, but before we do, we just got an email in from one of our very faithful and regular listeners who had been trouble having trouble picking us up because he's on a dial-up connection. And with our new video feed, he was having trouble. But we have made some alterations to our to our uh, uh, upload to the Internet, and uh, he says he's picking us up fine. So if you've got a dial-up and, and, and you've been having trouble, we hope that that's worked for you. You might send us an email and let us know. Uh, we're still kind of working out the bugs, but we think we're getting there on this new video procedure. We gave our listener with dial-up a couple of weeks to try and convince his wife that he needed DSL. Didn't, or a didn't work. But he, he missed that opportunity, so now he has no excuse. He can listen on his dial-up yeah. connection. Yeah. And we, we should thank our uh, visiting cameraman tonight, too, one yeah. of our listeners from Indiana. we got uh, a regular listener who's all the way down here from Indiana who is our video specialist tonight. We appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, but first time. But you can't tell by looking that he's a, a rookie on the job. That's right. He's on the he's on the he's on the backside of the camera though, so you can't get a look at him. Yeah, he's happy over there. Let's let's uh, get to some of these other emails. What should we be doing when we have controversy? What does the Bible teach us to do when there is controversy? Um, Michael from Chattanooga, Tennessee, writes in and says it boils down to the intent and desire of the individuals. Attitude toward another and the interest in reaching the truth or understanding about differences to reach common ground. Some passages to consider are, but first of all, before we get to his passages, he, he mentions, uh, I, I like the point, you know, what's your intention, what's your desire, how's your attitude? All of those things are going to affect whether we can work out a problem. If we all have the right intent, desire, and attitude, there's not any problem we can't work out, but we got to have that. And then he mentioned several verses. One of those, he talks about having the right attitude, and one of the things that's interesting to me in Romans chapter 12, verse 16 we're commanded, be of the same mind one toward another. It's not a suggestion. It's not a statement that it would be nice if we could all be of one mind or the same mind one to another. We're told to be of the same mind. Dad, it's a command. And that tells us that our attitude needs to be such that we're wanting to get along with our brethren. It needs to be our desire. That Our goal is, when we look at a congregation, is that we want to be in, in harmony. We want to be at peace. We don't want there to be controversy. And, and, and as we said, the controversy is inevitable. And sometimes if the, if, the other, if the other party won't come around to the truth or won't repent or won't make things right, sometimes it, it may be an, a, a permanent breakdown. Verse 18 of Romans 12 alludes to that. If it be possible, as much as lying, then you live peaceably with all men. That's right. Sometimes it's not possible because the other side won't do what's right but, but nonetheless we have the command and so there are times when we need to learn how to get along and we can get along that's right that's right first corinthians chapter 1 verse 10 says i beseech you brethren by the name of our lord jesus christ that you all speak the same thing that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment we got a phone call coming in we gotta get somebody to catch that phone jacob we got rookies on that net too there we go um, we got rookies answering the phone tonight yeah, too. Yeah, we got we got some new people here tonight. Yeah. Glad to have them. Um, uh, l- let me let me start start in with some of these verses that Michael is saying. Proverbs nineteen twenty seven. If one ceases listening to instruction, they will stray. You got to listen. Uh, we got a call. We do. You want to take yeah, it? Yeah, let's get the call and then we'll. Go All right, we're going to go up to Illinois and welcome Wayne to the virtual Bible study. Are you there, Wayne? Yes, I am. Well, welcome to the program, Wayne. Yes. You know, in Colossians, the third chapter, it tells us whatever we uh, do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So we need to be real careful how we approach our brethren. And Paul tells us that whatever we do, we should do in love. 
And if we follow those guidelines, we should find it easy to talk to our brethren. It'll be a lot easier than when we go in with a proud attitude or a uh, or a, uh, uh, an attitude lacking love. Ephesians four fifteen Ephesians four fifteen says, "Speaking the truth in love, grow up to him in all things, which is the head, even Christ." So, speaking the truth in love is very important, Wayne. I think you're on track there. Thanks for thanks for the call. We appreciate it. So we need Wayne says we need to have Bible authority. We need to base our decision making upon the authority of God's word, and we need to speak the truth in love. Two great points. I think very necessary. Absolutely. Thank you for calling, Wayne. It's good to hear from you. The line is open now at eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeu dot com with your thoughts on how to deal with these controversies. We're talking about the positive angle of it tonight. Let me real quick give these verses that Michael from Chattanooga sent in. I already, already mentioned Proverbs 19.27. If you stop listening to instruction, you will stray. Acts 28.22, Roman, the Roman Jews' reaction to Paul was, quote, a desire to hear what he taught, especially concerning the sect, a very controversial subject of the day. James 1.19 says, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Hebrews 6.9, having a mindset that we are confident of better things of each other. Acts 2.46, early saints continued daily prob- uh, discussing Christ, yet with gladness and singleness of heart. Acts 17.11, the Brians were fair-minded, receiving teaching, yet searching the scriptures whether they were so. Acts 15.2, Paul and Barnabas called for others to hear both sides and assist with a resolution. Acts 15.39, Paul and Barnabas separated from each other when they could not reach an agreement, yet continued to do God's will. So those are all good thoughts from Michael in Chattanooga, but based, his basic point was, you got to have intention, the right intention, desire, and attitude. I appreciate and these comments. Paul and Barnabas is a good example of dealing with There may be times when we have dis- differing views, different in opinions, not different differences in doctrine, but difference of, differences in opinions, and it may be best for us to separate like they did so that we can maintain harmony. That's right. In other words, they they both they could have had a knockdown dragout right there. Yeah, but they 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 went different directions, but they didn't have a personal falling out. In fact. That controversy in Acts 15 between Paul and Barnabas was about a potential co-worker, John Mark. John Mark had gone with them on the first missionary journey, but he had not continued throughout the whole journey he had left. When they got ready to go on the second journey, Barnabas wanted to take John Mark along again. John Mark was actually a relative of his, and he wanted to take him along again. Paul said he didn't think it was a good idea because of what had happened the first time. They couldn't come to an agreement on it. It wasn't a doctrinal issue. It was a judgment call about how to approach their work. And so they decided to go different directions, but they were both still teaching and practicing the truth of God's word. It would just, at the time, it seemed better to go different directions. And they were wise enough to realize what they were dealing with was a difference in judgment. And the fact of the matter is, I don't think they had any personal animosity toward each other at the end of that. In fact, later, in Paul's later writings, he commends John Mark as a valuable co-worker in the kingdom. So that was that was just an occasion where they went different ways, but without... Animosity. Because their differences were differences of judgment. And how many church controversies have you known about, Dad, that were result of the fact that people could not separate their judgment from doctrine? They stood on their judgments like they were standing on issues of doctrine and were ready to go to blows over their opinion. That's right. And we need to be wise enough, like Paul and Barnabas were, to know the difference. And when it's a judgment, we can give and yield and we can live peaceably. I think it's a good point. Very good point. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. 
Uh, we have an email from Stephen in Pennsylvania. He says, first, we should not deal with controversy if we are getting letting our emotions get the better of us. The best thing to do is to walk away until you can talk to the other person without getting upset. We can stop right there and talk about that, Dad. When we have a controversy, when we have uh, problems in the church, we do not have license to lose our temper. We do not have license to re- behave rudely. And if we cannot behave ourselves as we should, regardless of the controversy, we need to sit down and, and walk away and until we can get control of our emotions. That's exactly right. And, and that, that, is not, that, that, that is not an easy thing. It's easier said than done. Uh, sometimes, you know, we're very passionate about these things because it does involve what ought to be the most, most important things to us in the world. Uh, and so sometimes our passions run pretty high. We, we are emotional about it, but we've got to keep our emotions in check. Uh, it should mean a lot to us. It, it should be important to us, but even at that, we've got to keep our emotions under control because if they, if we don't, we're going to say and do some things we'll be sorry for later. A lot of people think they have a license to behave any way that they want when there's controversy and simply do not. Stephen goes on, secondly, we should always try to bring things out in the, into the open and deal with them as they come up. But doing so in a temperate manner, if there's a problem with another brother, then we should employ Matthew 18, which we referenced with Randy's email, that deals with those that may be in sin. First, take them into a private area and speak with them one-on-one. Do not talk about things in front of others, as this may cause embarrassment, and putting the other person on the spot may cause a defense reaction. We need to look at the examples of Jesus when people got angry with him. There is more than one way to deal with the situation. Appreciate your email, Stephen. Stephen mentions Matthew 18 again. We already commented on that earlier. But, you know, uh, one of the things he says there that I think is worth noting is that we put, we can, if we're not careful, put people in a defensive position. You, know, you, you approach a person in a certain way, and instead of uh, having them receive you with an open heart if you approach them in the wrong way you can you can make them so mad or get them on such a defensive course that they can't even hear what you're saying you're not giving them any room uh for correction and repentance i i think i've seen it happen plenty of times that people were approached in such a way that they it doesn't excuse them but it was a very bad approach because the person who did it did it in such a, a an aggressive manner that it, it, it they got defensive and really didn't didn't give them any room to repent. Drug them out in the street at high noon and and put them on the spot. Our goal in this situation, Dad, is to encourage repentance and to resolve the differences. And we should our goal should be to make that as easy as possible. And Jesus's method in Matthew chapter eighteen is making it the easiest way possible. If we can do it on a one on one situation, it will be much easier. And when is this thing is blown up into a big, a big uh, problem, and uh, and everybody's put on the spot. Exactly right. I think that's a good point. We appreciate you, Michael, for your email. Again, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email: questions at collegeview dot com. Give us a phone call: eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. All right, we're looking forward to hearing from you. We have an email from Jason. I don't know where Jay, do you know where Jason? Is? I'm not sure. Six. Well, let's see here. Okay, we have an email from Jason. Says. Uh, Above all else, Christ's likeness is key. As you mentioned, conflict is not present, but it is necessary to deal with if biblical principles are not being followed or there are members that need to work out a particular situation. Such was the case with Eudodia and and Syntyche. Yeah, in Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. In verse 5, Paul tells us 
that our gentleness needs to be evident to all. Philippians 1.27, Paul told them to conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. These women were implored to agree with each other in the Lord. You do, you do realize as well, though, that Paul did a lot of his conflict and controversy resolution in a very public manner, as is the case with Eudodia and Syntyche. 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 And many others. I think we try to keep things quiet so as not to disrupt the church because maybe we don't have the confidence that the church is strong enough to handle controversy, even though most of them are aware of it anyway. I do think it is interesting to note that Paul and Barnabas had a disagreement about their ministry, so they split. Their contention became so sharp. That's a quote from from Acts 15. Yeah, but they did not let that ruin their relationship, nor did they allow it to reflect poorly on the cause of Christ. See Acts 15, 36-41, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 6, and and Colossians 4, verse 10. Excellent comments. Yeah, and I I like what Jason said there to start out. Christ-likeness is the key. If we do what Christ did, we're doing what's right. Uh, We've got to live up to his standard. But if we imitate him in all things, we're doing exactly what's right. And I've known sometimes brethren say, almost act as though they are better than Christ in dealing with controversy. And that would, Jesus was one who would call out those who needed to repent. And if they were public sinners, he rebuked them publicly. And, and there are some people who, who don't want to do that. In other words, we said last week, one of the wrong things you can do is try to avoid controversy at all costs, compromising in order to have peace, compromising the truth in order to have peace. And we can't do that. Jesus didn't do that. Imitate Jesus. You'll be exactly on track. All right. It's time for another break, and we're going to get this week's bullet point. And while we're listening to that bullet point, it would be a great time for you to join in the discussion by calling 877-381-4567 or by emailing questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues on the other side of this break. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. Have you ever wondered why there never seems to be enough time to get everything done? Well, we may now have the answer. According to an article in U.S. News & World Report, the average American in his lifetime will spend six months at stoplights, eight months opening junk mail, one year looking for misplaced items, two years unsuccessfully trying to return telephone calls, six years waiting in line, and six years eating. Other recent studies suggest that we will spend as much as 20 years watching TV and even more time sleeping. Now, to put this in its proper perspective, think of this. If you attend every service of the typical church, that is Sunday morning Bible study, Sunday morning worship, and evening worship as well, and also Wednesday night Bible study, you will spend only about one and a half years total. That's only slightly more time than you'll spend looking for misplaced items, and only about twice as much time as you will spend opening junk mail. But some Christians will not even do this much. Over and over again, we return to Hebrews 10.25, quote, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. God commands us to assemble. Why? The context of the verse clearly shows that it's for our own benefit. Are you taking advantage of this great blessing? Christian, how are you using your time? If you don't regularly attend all the services, you may be spending more time opening junk mail than worshiping God. Isn't that a terrifying thought? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hello, my name is Kent Bumgarner. My family and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Please join us. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. All right, Ed, welcome back to the program. We just heard from Kent in Jackson, Tennessee, and we have heard from Kent tonight. He's uh, listening and watching 
And so we appreciate you being out there, Ken. Jacob, just got an email from somebody in Lynchburg, one of our regular listeners, Keith in Lynchburg, who says he's having trouble getting the audio over there. So I don't know. Uh, uh, give us some feedback if you're getting us or if you're having trouble. Of course, if you're having trouble, you may not be able to hear that request. But if you're doing good receiving the audio. Yeah, we're still the, we're the, still working on this video thing. So yeah. if you haven't uh, given us your feedback, how it looks on your end and what you think about it, you got suggestions on how to improve it, the audio. Yeah. Other than yeah, the, uh, t- tell us whether you're getting it or not, and what kind of a connection to the internet you're using yeah, that might help us. Man, we can't do anything about the faces that you're looking at there, but we can. Yeah, if get the those. faces look ugly, sorry, not your computer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah well, you can't blame your computer on that. Got an email from Glenn in Pound, Virginia. Glenn sends in this email: What are the biblical principles that ought to be employed when dealing with controversy? He says Matthew seven twelve. All things, therefore, whatsoever you would that men should do to you, even so do ye also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. He says, treating others as we want to be treated will go a long way in solving controversy. I think that's a good point. We haven't had that verse brought up in this discussion, but that is Matthew seven twelve is what we generally refer to as the golden rule. And, you know, as Glenn says, if we will do that, it's going to prevent and also solve a lot of trouble in the church. Well, that following that passage causes us to follow the passage in Matthew 18 because that's what we would want people to do uh, to us if yeah. we were in error. So if they're in error, we'll do that to them because that's the way we want to be treated. That's right. Exactly right. So I think uh, Glenn makes a good point there. We appreciate him uh, sending that in. All right. We have an email from Jim in Mount Pleasant. He says, is something private between two brethren? If so, then the way to resolve a problem which uh, Jesus outlined is in Matthew 18, and that should be followed. Each step, one at a time, until it is resolved. Again, knowing whether it is doctrinal or personal will help. Again, if doctrinal, then those who are in error need to repent, or the congregation needs to exercise discipline as required by the Scriptures. Treating others with respect and love and kindness will also go a long way towards resolving conflict. Thank you, Jim, for that answer tonight. That's right. He mentions Matthew 18 again, and we've commented about that already, and several listeners are bringing up that passage. I think it's a good one and one that we all need to be familiar with, Matthew 18, as to how to approach someone uh, who, who has offended us or wronged us. I like what Jim says about making a decision. Is this doctrinal or personal? Is, is, it, is it a matter of truth and righteousness, or is it just a matter of personal judgment and opinion? If it's truth and righteousness, if it's the doctrine of Christ, we can't yield on that. We just simply can't compromise that. We're going to have to we're going to have to take a hard and fast stand. But if it's just a matter of judgment or personal opinion, then we can easily yield in that matter. Uh it doesn't have to be my way. Now, you know, we all have opinions and we have them for reasons. We all have judgments and we have them for reasons. But if they are just judgments, then even though we feel like we've got a good judgment in the matter, it doesn't have to be our way if it's judgment. Even if someone's making a wrong judgment, Dad, and if it's obviously flawed, there's obvious flaws in their judgment, it's their judgment and it's their right. That's right. Um, in First Peter 5, verse 5, Peter said, All of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Um, Philippians 2 verse 3 let nothing be done through strife or vain glory but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than himself if we have those kind of attitudes then even though I have an opinion and, and I've got my opinion for a reason you know, it, the judgment that I make in such matter is based upon what I think is sound reasoning uh, I've got a reason for, for, for having this opinion but if it's just my opinion ultimately I can say 
Well, we'll do it your way. It doesn't have to be my way. And and if we will do that, it's going to solve a lot of problems. Uh, again, I've known lots of problems in the churches, in various churches through the years that were purely that. People insisting to have their personal judgment and opinion followed uh, and and driving that so hard that it caused division and controversy in the church unnecessarily. Look, and I think I think it's a logical response to that because you think you you've got reasons behind your judgment. You've thought this through. You can see that this judgment in making this decision would work. Well, you and, know, but what you said earlier, you know, one of our big problems is pride. I've got a I've got my opinion. And I, and with pride in my heart, I think that if anybody else was thinking right, they'd think the same thing I think. Because it makes perfect sense perfect, in my head. That's right. And and you know, I'm pretty smart, and I've got this all figured out. And other people just need if if they were as smart as I was, they would see it the way I see it. All of those kind of attitudes are wrong and are going to cause trouble. And maybe I've been around for a long time, and I've done it before, and it has worked the way that I want to make it work right now. And if they will go along with me and my judgment, I know it will work. They just need to follow what I want to do. You know, all this stuff, it may, is, you can see how people would want to stand on their judgment and, and, and bind it and enforce it and fall out with someone when they've differed. So it's, 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 it's logical, but we've got to realize the danger in doing that. Exactly right. Um, so we appreciate Jim for, for that email. Send us an email. We're still dealing with this question. What are the biblical principles that we should follow when there's controversy? Send us an email, questions at collegeview.com. Our friend Jack in Atlanta, Georgia, has sent in, and he just gives us five points. I think they're all good ones in dealing with controversy. Love for brethren, forgiveness, mercy, kindness, righteousness. How could you argue with any of those? Uh, Those are all qualities that we need to. We all can improve on. And if we possess those, then it's going to it's going to make controversy. It's going to limit controversy. And when it arises, we're going to handle it properly. Now, remember, of course, that in any of those two any of those things, there's there's two parties involved typically when there's controversy. And I might have perfect love for my brethren, a great sense of forgiveness, mercy, kindness, righteousness. But if the other if the if the other party in this controversy is is unwilling to act upon those same biblical principles, then then we may reach an impasse. But we're not going to reach it uh, if it's if it's up to us and we have these attitudes. The impasse will not be from us. It may be from the other side, but it won't be from us. All right. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven questions at collegeu dot com. Jack, thanks for your email. Thank you, Jack. Yeah, and we would, as you said, Dad, if we'd follow Jack's uh, recommendations there and follow the biblical teachings on those those qualities, certainly, as you said, there may be controversy that can't be resolved, but it won't be because we don't possess the right attitude. It won't be because we don't want the the conflict to resolve. It will be because the other person needs to grow in their uh, spiritual lives. Exactly right. Um, we have an email from Jeff in Athens, Alabama, who wrote in and said, um, uh, he says, I think a good text to consider when facing conflict in the local church is Acts 15. The issue of circumcision was definitely confrontational. Uh, there had been a letter that the, the, from the Jews that troubled and unsettled the souls of the Gentiles. So it was a controversial thing, especially in that first century time period between Jews and Gentiles. How the apostles and the Jerusalem elders established biblical authority and solved that conflict is definitely a pattern for each local church today. And you know what Jeff says here, Jacob? He says, by the way, you don't look any better video streamed than you do in person. Oh, boy. 
Well, Jeff, thanks, Jeff. amen to that, Jeff. We agree. <laughs> I think you're probably exactly right, Jeff, unfortunately. Yeah. All right. But I do think his point here in Acts 15 is a good one. Um, I, we've talked about Acts 15 on the program before, and I, one of the things that we want to point out is that some people misuse Acts 15 to say that that it was a, a, a church conference at which a vote was taken on the question of circumcision and its application to Gentile Christians. This was not a a voting conference to decide a doctrinal issue. We know that that is the case because in Galatians chapter 2, Paul makes reference to that occasion when he went there. In, uh, the history of it's in Acts 15. Paul references it in Galatians 2. And he says in Galatians 2, verse 2, I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. Uh, and he, he speaks of some false teachers, false brethren, unawares brought in. He says in Galatians 2, verse 5, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. So Galatians, or, um, Galatians 2 references Acts 15. Acts 15 was not a voting conference to decide a doctrinal issue. That's not how you solve doctrinal issues. You, you solve doctrin, doctrinal issues based upon the authority of God's word. And this is the point that Jeff is making in his email. In Acts 15, we see the apostles and the, and the elders of the Jerusalem church basing their decision on three things. They based their decision upon what was expressly commanded in scriptures, what was taught by approved example, and what they learned by necessary inference. And we, and we understand that, that that is exactly the way that we establish Bible authority today. Direct command, approved example, necessary inference. Acts 15 is a real neat and interesting study. You can see them using all three methods to come to a, an understanding of what God wanted them to do. They didn't vote about it. They, they were able to determine based upon what had been revealed. What was the answer to this question? You think about that, Dad. If we had a conflict, we're not talking about judgments here. We're talking about doctrinal conflicts now. If we had a doctrinal conflict and if we had no pride, we had no personal animosity, no personal agenda, all that we wanted, you and I differ on a doctrinal issue. The only thing that we wanted to do was find out what God's word said on it. But we can come to the Bible without any pride, without any personal animosity, without any victory that we want to win to say that I'm right and you were wrong with what you thought about the doctrinal issue. Couldn't we all come to an agreement of what the scriptures teach? If we could have that attitude, we could resolve these conflicts with those types of attitudes. And that's what needs to be our goal. I think exactly right. And uh, I think that's a good email that Jeff sent in and certainly gives us some some things to think about from the Word of God. All right. The number to call is 877-381-4567. Plenty of time to hear from you on the phone tonight and plenty of time to hear from you over email. We're going to take a short break. And when we get back, we'll go to the top of the hour talking about ways that we should behave, how we should deal with church controversy, because we believe it's coming because the church is made up of humans who will make errors from time to time. There will be controversy. How do we deal with those controversies? We'll talk about that to the top of the hour. On the other side of the break, the virtual Bible study continues right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Hello, everyone. 
I'm Britt Haynes. I'm a member of the College View Church of Christ. A lot of people in the religious world today tell us that as long as our heart is right and we truly love God, we can do whatever we want in our service to Him. They say that what we do doesn't matter because God is only interested in our heart. I believe they have it all wrong. True, God is interested in our hearts, but He's also interested in our actions. One reason why is because our actions describe the true condition of our heart. This is what Jesus taught in Matthew 12, verse 34, when he said, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. So I believe that if we are doing whatever we want to in our service and are not serving God exactly like he has asked, then our heart is not right before God. The members of the College View Church of Christ are committed to making sure that both our hearts and our actions are pleasing to God. If you're interested in doing the same, we encourage you to join us for worship this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. Hi, my name is Hunter. I'm 11 years old, and I love listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Missed a recent Virtual Bible Study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome back into the Virtual Bible Study. We'll remind you, this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we would encourage you to come and visit with us at the College View Church of Christ. You can find out more about us by visiting our services we meet on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for a period of Bible study with classes for all ages, followed by a period of worship at 10.30. And then on Sunday evening at 6 p.m., we meet for another period of worship. On Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock, we meet for another period of Bible study. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we would encourage you to come and visit with us. We won't pressure you. We won't make you feel uncomfortable. You can just sit and observe our worship to find out how we are worshiping God at the College View Church of Christ. If you have any questions about what we believe or practice at the College View Church of Christ, visit our website, collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com to find out some more about what we believe and practice or call us or email us anytime. We'd love to hear from you. We're talking about church controversy on the program tonight and how to deal with the controversy that is coming. It is inevitable there will be controversy, but the Bible tells us very clearly instructions on how to deal with those controversies so that we can resolve them in the most positive way possible. And we're talking about those techniques and principles tonight on the program. Jacob, we've got a good email from Zeke in Angleton, Texas. Zeke, we're glad that you found us on the virtual Bible study and appreciate your email. Do you tonight. know where Angleton, Texas is? I don't. I know I don't. Texas is a big place. It's somewhere in Texas, though. It's Angleton, Texas. Yeah. Um, he references Acts 6, verses 1 through 6. I want to read that. That has not come up in our discussion in two weeks, and I think he points us in a very good direction. I want to read Acts 6, beginning verse 1. Now, remember, this is in the early days of the church in Jerusalem. It says, In those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out from among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. Now, I want you to notice what Zeke says happened there, and I think it's a very good analysis of what happened. When this controversy arose, they put first things first. The spread of the gospel is paramount and must not be neglected no matter what problems arise. Secondly, the entire congregation was involved in solving the problem. Third, they involved capable men to implement the solution. Fourth, they yielded to apostolic direction. 
5, they prayed about it. The happy result is told in verse 7 when it says the word of God kept spreading. So uh, very interesting there. Here was This was controversy in the Jerusalem church. Remember, the Ju- Jerusalem church was still in its infancy in the very early days of Christianity. And so this problem arose. What are they going to do? Well, you got you got to keep your priorities sorted out. They did. The apostles said our priority is preaching the gospel. But they didn't neglect this other thing that needed to be tended to too. They got the whole congregation involved in in coming together to resolve the problem, appoint qualified men to address the situation, yield to that apostolic authority, the the teaching of the apostles. Of course, in that in that day it was live in person. In our day, it's in the inspired Word of God. And then pray about it. And the result is it worked out and the gospel continued to spread. So I think Acts 6 is a good text to talk about a specific case in a local church where there was controversy and what to do. Appreciate that. That is, Those are excellent comments. I want to ask you one question about uh, Zeke's email. In uh, Acts chapter 6, he says the entire congregation was involved in solving the problem. And that that's appropriate at times. Do you think that the entire congregation needs to be involved all the time, though? What would you think about that? Well, no. Uh, as we, we've we already pointed out in Matthew 18, if we've got a one-on-one type of controversy, then we approach it one-on-one, and and we work on it. If, if we can't reach resolution, then we bring in two or three more. If we can't reach resolution, then it becomes a church matter, and we bring it to the whole church. So, But as we said earlier, that's talking about a one-on-one kind of a problem, not not a thing that's publicly known, not a thing that's public right from its inception. A thing that's public from its inception should we should get everybody working toward a resolution of that, as as we see in Act Six. Act Six was a situation that was known to everybody there, and it was a it was it was a already a controversy that involved everybody in that congregation. Okay, all right, good good comments. We do appreciate. Uh, Seek for those good comments. And then he's got another text for us to consider from Acts 15. Uh, We already talked about Acts 15, where there was that meeting in Jerusalem, where there was the problem of circumcision among the, uh, were the Gentiles to be expected to be circumcised. And he says, they sought the truth on the matter. They listened to evidence presented by both sides. They appealed to scripture and used sound reasoning to form a conclusion. Once a conclusion was reached, it was accepted by all. I do think Acts 15 is a real good text, and we just mentioned Jeff's email from Athens, Alabama, who also suggested that same passage. And I think that there are great things to learn from Acts 15 also when it comes to conflict resolution. So, um, Zeke, thanks for emailing us. Thanks for listening down there in Angleton, Texas. Angleton, Texas. Just a quick look on uh, it is on the Gulf Coast down there. Near what? Near the Gulf Coast. <laughs> Near what other city? I'm not, I'm not up on my Texas geography here, okay. but... Uh, um, it's 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 on the Gulf Coast and uh looks like there's a Tennessee Titan that's from that town of Angleton, Texas. Well I'll say. Yeah, you never know. All right. Um I got a few points that that we can add to this discussion before we run out of time tonight, but we'd still be glad to get an email from you. I think we I think we've run the gamut on our emails, Jacob. We need we need another one if if you and you've got time to get an email in, we'll we'll read it immediately if you'll send it in or or give us a phone call. But uh one of the things that was mentioned, and I think an important thing to stress, is that when these controversies arise, we need to pay attention. We need to listen carefully. We, we, should, we should not react without carefully listening to what the other side is saying. Proverbs 18, verse 13 says, He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. Yeah. Some people have, you know, 
I, I knew a guy once who described this guy was describing someone and and he he described him in an in an unflattering way, but I thought it was very apropos. And unfortunately, I've known through the years some people like this. He said he's got all the answers. He's just waiting for the questions. This guy thought he had all the answers to every situation. He he didn't even he didn't even listen until he got all the facts before he was expressing his opinion in the matter. And typically, that's unhelpful to resolving conflict. And the Proverbs 18:13 says it's actually a folly and a shame if you answer a question before you've heard it. Uh, Maybe wrapped up in some of that pride there that you you've got it so figured out that you don't even have to listen to all of the conflict. You know how this thing goes. You've heard this before. You know all the answers, and so you're ready to fire them off uh, without even hearing the whole side of the story. Yeah. Another thing that I would add is that we should we should grant the benefit of the doubt. If we love our brethren the way that we should, we should not immediately assume the worst when some problem arises. We should not immediately jump to the conclusion that that person is is dead wrong. They've got a bad heart. Their motives are corrupt. We should not assume the worst. We should actually grant the benefit of the doubt. And I believe that that comes comes through very clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 when the Apostle Paul wrote about love. He said, love is patient, love is kind, love is not arrogant, is not provoked, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. We should not immediately assume the worst of our brother if we have some point of controversy or disagreement with him. Unfortunately, that happens way too often. I've taught my wife about that. I've told her that if I ever do anything that hurts her feelings, she has misunderstood me because I would never hurt her feelings. And so that really helps out a lot in our relationship. Does that work, does that work for you, Dad? I'm not sure that, I'm not sure that's legit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, if you can get her to believe that, okay. maybe it'll work right. for it. But I do think that if we love someone, we are go- we're not going to immediately assume the but, worst. But, but a, a lot of times it just takes a little bit. We look for a little speck and something we can pick out and say, Oh, there, there they go. They're treating me wrong. They're doing something bad to me. They've got evil intentions. Whereas if we were patient and long-suffering and assuming the best, uh, we could avoid a lot of those controversies. Exactly right. Um, we already mentioned that we should be the kind of people who are seeking peace, not division. In other words, division should not should not be palatable to us. It should not be the thing that we want. It's not our desire to be divided from our brethren. And and we ought to, as Romans 14, verse 19 says, let us follow after things that make for peace and things whereby one may edify another. We need to be working toward peaceful resolution of conflict. As we said, it may not always be possible, but if it doesn't happen, let it not be our fault that it didn't happen. Let you know We're going to do what we can, and following the biblical guidelines, we're going to do everything in our power to bring about a right resolution to the problem. So be determined for peace and not desiring division. I think that's an important thing. In all of this, Jacob, bottom line, we're not trying to to win. Is it you know our goal ought to be truth, not victory. You know when we when we um, have a controversy, it should not be our desire at the end of it to say I won, I won, I got my way. That that is absolutely the wrong attitude. Uh, we're not wanting victory. We're wanting truth. We want we're wanting truth to succeed. And uh, Jesus taught in John eight verse thirty two, "You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free." Truth is what matters. 
and and, and so we're we're seeking uh, truth as our goal, not victory over someone. Anytime else. we're thinking about victory, Dad, we're thinking about ourselves. We're thinking about our pride, and we do not we don't personally win when the truth is taught. God's word wins. Truth wins when people decide to stand with that truth. I know uh, uh, we, our, our friend Pat in Harvest, Alabama, that sometimes emails us on the program. Uh, he he has before said, you know, when you have a Bible study and you come home from a Bible study, your wife doesn't ask you who won. You know, it, 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 when we have Bible study, when we're seeking the truth of God, all are winners if the truth has been discovered. And if we are committed to it, then everyone's a winner in that. It's not that we're trying to to achieve a victory over someone else. We're never trying to win an argument. We're trying to gain harmony on God's word. And if we'll do that, we'll all win when we're all agreeing uh, with God's word. You know, Dad, one of the passages, I'll backtrack a little bit about uh, uh, what you said there about seeking peace. We're commanded to be at peace in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 13 and be at peace among yourselves is a command. Again, I think that uh, people think about church harmony and peace and tranquility as being just it's one of those things. It, when you get all the right people together, it just sort of happens. It's just one of those magical things that, boom, we've got peace and it's great. But we couldn't have peace in this church because of these two conflicting uh, uh, attitudes or two conflicting personalities. The command is to be at peace, and if there's a command to be at peace, Dad, we need to have it in our local congregations. It's a command. That's right, it's not, and it doesn't happen accidentally. We we referenced in our study in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, Ephesians 4, verse 3, that we are to be endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The word endeavor there suggests the idea of putting forth effort, work, work at it. Exactly right. Well, any final comments? I think we've had a good study, a two-week study, because we got a lot of feedback on this question, and I think it's an important one. So we appreciate everybody who participated with us in this study. We hope we've said some things that will be encouragement to us all, because as we've said repeatedly, controversy is inevitable. It's going to happen. Let's be committed to do the right thing when it does happen. Exactly right, because, Dad, it is beautiful when brethren uh, dwell at peace together. Exactly right. All right. We appreciate you listening to the program tonight. If you have any questions or comments about our two-week study, we would encourage you to comment us comment to us over email or over the phone anytime throughout the week. You can contact us at 877-381-4567, or you can send us emails to questions at collegeview.com, and some of you do comment when you're listening and letting us know that you're out there. We do appreciate hearing from you. So do let us know that you're listening. Let us know that you're out there. We hope you'll make plans to be back here next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.